the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. And just want to let you know before we get started, you can always join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. You can always find the recording at aptuswealth.com and to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, which we are going to explain what is once we get started. Uh, the phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614 Zero, zero. Since I teased it, Josh, I guess we should start with the Aptus blueprint process for those listeners that are just joining us. Well, it's a four-step process. Step number one is they get to know your meeting. We call it the discovery meeting. So we're going to find out what it is you're trying to accomplish in your life, whether that's save for retirement, save for vacation home, save for whatever it is, um, what resources you have saved up uh, up until this point to accomplish those objectives, what inheritances you might be receiving, and what you're going to continue to save until you reach that time. And then in meeting number two, we're going to analyze all of the information that you gave us. So we're going to show you how much risk are you taking? Is your arrow essentially going to hit the target and what could get in the way to prevent you from reaching your goals? And then in meeting number three, we call it the, bl- the blueprint meeting. We're going to give you a blueprint that will remove hopefully as many barriers as possible for you reaching your goals. In other words, how can we limit risk, minimize taxes? How can we hopefully allow you to um, feel less of a burden saving today while still achieving the objectives that you want tomorrow? And then not until meeting number four is this is just a really long interview process between you and I to see if I'd be a good fit for you and you'd be a good fit for uh, the way that we do business. We then would implement the plan in meeting number four. So I always tell people I can guarantee you through the process is you'll learn a lot. And then, uh, you know, you're never going to feel like we're trying to sell you anything. This is very much a holistic planning approach and not a product sales pitch by any means. Josh's number again is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. Josh, growing up 16, the ages of 18, 21, some pretty important benchmark ages. What are some similarly significant ages as, as we approach retirement? Well, there's a whole lot of them, but I would say the first age would be any time you are either you enter the workforce. So you're out of college, you go to work. You're out of high school, you go to work. You get out of the military, you go to work. Whatever that time frame is, I don't know what your age will be at that point, but that's the time that you need to start 
actually investing for your future. Now, that dollar amount could be very, very small, and that's fine, but the sooner you start, the better. Now, I know that's not an age, and you were looking for a specific age, but that time period in your life is incredibly important. You can save a dramatic less, dramatically less amount the younger you start. If you don't start saving until you're 50 years old for retirement, the percentage that you have to save at 50 is exponentially greater than the percentage you'd have to save at 30. So start as early as possible. But as far as, you know, kind of concrete ages that things occur at, um, age 50 is a big one. Um, Age 50 is when you can start doing additional contributions into your 401k. And the reason for that and your qualified plans like an IRA, et cetera, they call them catch-up contributions. And the reason for that is everything that I just said. You have to catch up. You didn't do what you should have or would have wished at this point that you would have done up until age 50. So the IRS gives you the option to put a little bit more away pre-tax or in the case of a Roth IRA post-tax, but be able to get into that good tax scenario uh, for a qualified plan. And then after that, Diane is uh, age 55. Most people automatically hop from 50 to 59 and a half. Because 59 and a half is the age when you can take money out of qualified plans without any penalty. It's called an excise penalty. It's a 10% penalty for what we call premature withdrawals from a qualified plan. But that's not entirely accurate. And that age 55, most 401ks, 403bs, etc., will allow you to take withdrawals without the 10% penalty. It's also the age where many plans like your 401k will allow you to start doing what we call in-service rollovers, meaning you could actually work for your company, continue to contribute to your company's 401k, but you can diversify your investment pool by taking some of your 401k money, rolling it over to your own self-directed IRA, that's a tax-free rollover, and then investing in whatever it is you choose. So if you look at your 401k and you say, you know, I only have like these eight or 10 options, and none of them are really safe options. There's no um, you know, annuity type options that would provide me guaranteed lifetime income in the future, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you have the option starting at age 55, more than likely at age 59 and a half to start doing those in-service rollovers, even though you're still with the company. And then the next ages are, I bundle them all together, 62, 65, 66, 70. And the reason I bundle them all together is those are all the ages when you can either start taking Social Security at age 62, you better have already started taking your Social Security by age 70 because that's the last, there's no benefit to waiting longer than that. 66 for most people between 66 and 67 is what we deem your full retirement age. So that's when the Social Security Administration says you've, you've reached your full retirement age and this is where the benefit that you get on that piece of paper in the mail tells you you're gonna get. And then 65 is Medicare. So between 62 and 70, you have all those governmental program decisions to make. When should I take my Social Security? I have to take Medicare, which is my health insurance, once I uh, reach that age. And there's a whole litany of things you need to do uh, when you reach those ages. But obviously, we can walk you through that process and help. So 50, uh, start your catch-up contributions. 55 or 59 and a half, you just picked up more mobility. And then the governmental ages are between 62 and 70. And I did say one thing that I want to hop back to, and that is that premature withdrawal penalty. And what that is, is if you're not 59 and a half and you take money out of your IRA, 401k, et cetera, you may be charged a 10% penalty for that withdrawal. There are ways around that, um, whether it's a hardship withdrawal or a first time home purchase, or just what we call a 72T distribution, which I won't... 
for you know ease of explanation today i won't dive too deep into know that if you need money and you're under the age of 59 and a half from your ira call us first don't just go take the money out of your ira don't take the money out of your 401k with no planning because not only are you going to pay taxes on that, there's a potential that you're going to pay a 10% penalty. And in many, many instances, there is a way around that. So please reach out. Let us try and help you avoid paying money that you don't need to. It's a costly error. And, and like I said, oftentimes avoidable. I'm dying to know what the T is now, but we'll, like you <laughs> well, say, we'll talk about it at a different time. But. Yeah, you know, and it's really interesting. Uh, for non-qualified money, it's called 72Q, like a non-qualified annuity, for example. And for qualified money, it's called 72T. And you think it would be called 72Q for qualified money, but it's exactly the opposite. And I don't even know what the T uh, stands for, Diane, so I, I can't lend to that. Just know that that's the law in the tax code or the line in the tax code that allows you to pull money out of a qualified plan without penalty. Okay, so before you go and pull any money out of your 401k, then call Josh's number. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. And to schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, that is the number to call. We've touched on estate planning, Josh, from the viewpoint of leaving a legacy a few times over the past year. But what about if you're in retirement or close to it and you unfortunately lose a loved one and are the beneficiary instead? How do you minimize uh, the taxes on that? First, the taxes that Diane's talking about is if you inherit an IRA 401k, one of these qualified plans that we just got done talking about, you are going to have to pay taxes on those distributions, just like the owner of those would have had to take uh, or pay taxes on the distributions. The big problem, though, is when and how do you have to take that money? Now, in the, in, in the past, prior to the SECURE Act, you were able to take those distributions over your lifetime. So, for example, let's say, you know, unfortunately, you lost a loved one, but they left you a million bucks, which... You know, I mean, if you're going to lose a loved one, getting a million bucks isn't a terrible thing to, to receive from it, I suppose. But nevertheless, now you have this million dollars. And in the past, you could take distributions off that million dollars over your entire lifetime and only pay taxes on the distribution that you're receiving. So if you were, you know, 30 years old and you said, I really don't need the money, I would, uh, I'd rather kind of kick the can on taxes and use that money for my retirement, you might only have to take $30,000 a year or something to that effect out which if you're making $100,000 and then you add 30, that's one tax bracket. But now things are different. You have to take that money over a 10-year window. So think about now $100,000 plus gains, hopefully, are being lumped back into the pot. And let's say you're doing really well, that could be taxed at upwards of 40%. So you are left with a shorter timeline or left with fewer options to try and liquidate these funds. Now, there are ways you can kind of try and offset that a little bit, like you receive that, but then you do an HSA contribution for your health savings account, and that's pre-tax. So you kind of uh, take from one bucket to fund another bucket to offset. You could receive those uh, IRA or, or death benefit, decedent IRA con uh, benefits to you, and then raise your own 401k contribution to offset your income on the other side. So there's things that you can do. But I think really what this points to, Diane, is the benefit of looking at Roth IRA conversions, looking at should I be doing some contributions to the Roth portion of my 401k and or IRA while I'm working so I'm not leaving this tax time bomb to my beneficiaries. 
And the answer as to whether or not that makes sense to you is not as simple as just saying, well, that sounds better than what I'm doing. There is a tax calculation and at least some logic that goes into what makes sense for you. Should you be doing Roth conversions? Well, the answer is, it would be great if I could get there, but does it make sense for me to do it? And that's an individual answer. Should I be doing the Roth contribution in my 401k? It would be great if you could, but it might not make sense in your tax scenario to do so and based upon your timeline, et cetera. So not as simple as just saying, sure, going to do it. You want to do a little bit of math and calculating up front. Contact us. We'll help you walk through what makes sense for you. And everybody is individual, and uh, it's going to be a different answer for everyone's situation. Uh, Unfortunately or fortunately, yeah, we are all individual, and there is no cookie-cutter approach. You need to walk through your scenario. For everyone to schedule an appointment or if you have questions about what we've talked about or you would like Josh to take a look at this situation, if you definitely fall into this category, the phone number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. And just want to mention, you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. That's on here, right here on 98.9 The Answer. The recording is at aptuswealth.com, just in case you miss it. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick and more when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, aside from a payout upon death, how can life insurance be used as part of a retirement portfolio? Uh, life insurance, if structured appropriately, can be one of the best cash accumulation, tax-beneficial income sources that you could have. Um, the problem with life insurance is, if not structured properly, it could be a giant waste of money. Uh, and let me explain what I mean. There's a bunch of different types of life insurance, but... Amongst all those different types, there's really two categories. There's term insurance, and then there's permanent insurance. Term insurance is just that. You are renting insurance for a period of time to cover a temporary need. So think, I just had a kid. I know that I want to provide something happens to me over the next 20 years. I want to make sure that my child is taken care of because I will be gone and my income thus will be gone as well. So I'm going to buy term insurance for a million bucks to cover that need or whatever the number is. But the problem with term insurance is there is no cash value. There is no value to the term insurance unless I die. So it is renting insurance. Permanent insurance, on the other hand, is just that. It's there forever if structured appropriately. But it also can build cash value. And cash value is, think of it as a savings account inside of this vehicle we call insurance. And the way that that savings account works can be grown on a different, a bunch of different ways. You could have it growing according to the stock market, much like your 401k. You could invest it in 
the equivalent to mutual funds inside of your life insurance policy. That is called a variable universal life insurance policy. You could have it grow with upside potential in the market with no downside risk. That's called an indexed universal life insurance policy. You could have it grow like a savings account, guaranteed 3 or 4%, uh, which is a heck of a lot better than a savings account, obviously, but you know, pretty boring. It's just going to grow at the rate that it's going to grow. You say, well, why do I want this cash value inside of my life insurance policy? Because life insurance is a, has a very unique tax treatment. The, tax, the taxes on withdrawals from life insurance, if structured properly, are completely and utterly tax-free. That's right, tax-free. That's very important because there's very few, few things in life that are tax-free. So if I put, let's say, $20,000 into a life insurance policy in my early 40s, for example, I have two choices with that life insurance. I could say I want to put $20,000 a year and get as much death benefit as I possibly can get, in which case it's going to grow very little cash value. But I could say I'm going to put $20,000 in a life insurance policy, and I want not that much death benefit. I want it to grow as much cash as possible. So when I reach retirement age, I'm going to get this tax-free income benefit. That income benefit could be very, very, very significant. And what's the added benefit to life insurance? Well, if I put $20,000 into a mutual fund today and I die, my kids or my spouse gets 20000 bucks. If I put $20,000 into a life insurance policy, it's possible that I could have a half million or a million dollar death benefit. So I only put in 20000 and they get a half a million dollars. And by the way, that half million dollars is completely tax-free. If I continue to invest in that life insurance policy, by the time I reach retirement, I can withdraw income very similar to if I would have invested that in the stock market potentially. The big differential would be it's tax-free. And when I say tax-free, it doesn't affect my Medicare payment. It doesn't affect my Social Security taxation. It doesn't affect anything. Consider it a loan, and loans don't go on your tax return anywhere. So again, I want to reiterate that life insurance can be a great investment tool, one that we utilize quite often, one that provides tax-free income plus a tax-free death benefit. However, there's one big caveat to everything I just said, and that is if it's structured inappropriately, it can be a terrible investment. So make sure that you get what somebody knows what the heck they're talking about, number one, that it works for the scenario that you're in and that it's structured properly. And if those are the cases, it can be a great tool. Okay, two questions I have for you, Josh. One, what age do you suggest that people start investing in those? And two, I heard a criticism that the fees are really high on these. Yeah, so number one, the age that you should start investing in life or you know, getting life insurance. One, I suggest that people buy term insurance it's incredibly inexpensive early. And the reason for that is you can always convert your term insurance if you buy the right term insurance to what we're talking about in this permanent insurance. Um, and the earlier you get insurance, the better your health is and the, least, the less expensive it is. So what you wouldn't want to be, and I can give you a myriad of examples of clients that have, you know, they didn't get insurance, find out that great news, you know, husband, wife, they found out they're pregnant. Well, now we want to go get insurance. Well, if you're pregnant as a woman, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, to get life insurance while you're pregnant, which is when you decide you wanted it. And two, God forbid you go and find out that, you know, you can't get life insurance after that already occurs. So just go get some cheap term insurance, uh, you know, pretty young in your early 20s. It's incredibly affordable, Diane. I mean, it's, think $10 a month. I mean, it's, it's nothing. The other criticism, though, is the fees. You're absolutely right. There are fees inside of life insurance policies. 
The question is, net to net, is it a better investment because of the tax treatment even after the fees? And that's what we need to compare. And those fees are based upon how old you are and what your health is. So is this program for everybody? No. Is it great for people who are uh, high-income earners in their 30s and 40s that are incredibly healthy? Yes, it can be a great option for them. Is it a great option for people who are going to have minimum required distributions that they don't want and they want to figure out a way to pass money to their beneficiaries as tax efficiently as possible? It can be a great product for that. So the key here is, like everything, Diane, is using things where they fit appropriately and having the experience and the knowledge to know when and where that is, which is where my office comes in. So we will show you when it makes sense and when it doesn't make sense. And remember, we're a fiduciary, so we're not trying to sell anybody products. We're trying to use the right solution at the right time. Uh, Our compensation is based upon fees. It's not based upon commissions. So we're going to show you what makes the most sense for you at the right time. So, Josh, if someone just listening right now and hears they don't have life insurance, they can call your office and and, and, uh, get that scheduled with you? Of course. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we have some fiduciary responsibility in needing to know who our client is and needing to know that it's the right solution for them. But we'll happily make sure that they they have the right resources to obtain the right amount of life insurance for them. So it's not as simple as just saying, hey, I want $500,000 worth of term insurance. Can I buy it through you? Uh, Of course you can. But we would like to provide a bigger service or a better service than that to make sure you're getting the right amount at the best carrier based upon your health, based upon there's a lot of questions that go into that. So I know that we we're oftentimes we see online, you know, there, there's some hilarious life insurance commercials online right now. But we'll see, you know, get get term insurance for twelve dollars a month. While that might be the right solution for you, it might be the worst solution for you. So we're going to ask a few more questions than how old are you? And are you still alive? Sign here, sign here. I mean, it's a little bit more involved of a process than that. But usually that does two things. It gets you the right insurance for you. And two, it gets you the lowest cost right insurance for you based upon what you're trying to accomplish. And while you're calling Josh for that, he can take a look at your portfolio as well and uh, give you an analysis for that. And you can go through the Aptus Blueprint process. The phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, do you know of clients who find uh, happiness in retirement because they spend more time focusing on everything else that matters and less time on, on finances? Well, that's the dream, right? The dream is I finally get to quit working so I can focus on the things that I enjoy to do. I think there's one risk there, and that is that uh, I read, I think it was a, a meme on uh, social media or something, and it said... Uh, uh, what parents do, they they basically say that they're going to, uh, when this thing clears up, they're going to have more time to do the things they want to do, and then they die. They just say that over and over again for their whole life. And I think oftentimes we do that. We just go, well, when I get through this, then it'll be great. When I get through this, it'll be great. When I get through this, it'll be great. And sometimes people reach retirement, and they go, well, once I can kick this job, then it'll be great. Make sure you have a purpose and a plan for what you're going to do after that. So to answer your question, Diane, can, can people find you know, much more happiness in retirement? Absolutely. I could give you, you know, dozens of examples of people that are, quote, living the dream now that they're retired. But unfortunately, I can also give you a bunch of examples of people that thought that retirement was going to solve all their problems, and it just simply did not. So what is kind of a laundry list of things that 
people who are happy in retirement tend to do? Well, one, invariably, I can tell you that the healthier you are and the more active you are will directly correlate to the happiness that you have in retirement. If you want to travel and you are too unhealthy to travel, well, then travel isn't happening. So whatever you do, make sure you remain uh, active and healthy in retirement. I know this sounds like, you know, this is a money show. Why are you telling me to go exercise and eat well? But you're, I'm you're only helping people you. with their entire picture, which helps yeah, them in retirement. T- and if anything, I'm a mirror to shine back on what I've seen in 20 plus years of retirement planning. I've seen tons and tons of people retire and I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. The better health you keep yourself in, the more happy the retirement that you'll have. The more socially active you keep yourself, the more happy typically you'll be in retirement. Now, if you're an incredibly introverted person, you're happy reading books, you don't want to talk to anybody, then ignore what I'm saying. But in general, I find that a lot of people find their social network through work. And when they remove work, their social network sometimes goes away. So make sure you have an outlet to maintain some sort of social connections to people, which will in turn help you kind of keep your mind sharp, have good conversations, stay active. It helps the the health thing too, unless you're just, you know, going to the wine bar every day and then maybe that's not a great thing either. But nevertheless, uh, stay stay active and healthy. Um, Another one that I found here as of late, and I don't know if this is... COVID, politics, social media, whatever it might be, but the people who can remain or at least train their brains to be optimistic, the better your retirement will be. And, and this seems to be a new, you know, again, I've been doing this for over 20 years and over the last four or five years, I've noticed that people's general attitudes of optimism seem to be declining. It's very easy when you reach retirement if you don't have a social outlet, if you're not going out and traveling, if you're not exercising, if you don't have a charitable contribution that you're doing, whatever it is that it's getting you out of the house and you're having a good time, uh, you end up watching the news or you hop on social media. And if you dive down that rabbit hole, that echo chamber of doom, as I call it sometimes, it's very easy to lose your optimism, become pessimistic and just sit in your house and be upset. And, and that doesn't lend to a very happy or healthy retirement. So um, th- those are the big ones, you know, living a life of, of happiness, gratitude, giving back, having a social network, keeping yourself healthy, removing uh, pessimism from your life and remaining optimistic. All these things, by the way, are, are pretty obvious. And I'm sure I'm echoing what everybody should be doing from the time they're eight until their time they're 88. But sometimes in retirement, when you don't have that thing that forces you to go do something, it's easier, at least it appears to be easier to get caught in these things. So Make sure you stay active and and have a plan. Awesome. And Josh, we are going to finish this list after the break. Let me give everyone Josh's number. It is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. That is the Aptus Wealth Management Office number. And just a reminder, you can join Josh every Monday for Money Mondays with Bruce Hooley at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. Hey, Mike, edit that out. I'm done with that list anyway. So no more on the list when we come back. I'm just done Okay, with the perfect. List. I'll just finish it. <laughs> Screw the rest of the list. Okay, super. Yeah, I mean, All what right. are we going to do? Yeah. 
Let me give you Josh's number, the Aptus Wealth Management Office number, so you can schedule your own personalized planning session. We call it the Aptus Blueprint Process. The phone number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh's website is aptuswealth.com. And you can join Josh every Monday with Bruce Hooley for Money Mondays at 6 p.m. on 98.9 The Answer. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, what are some common mistakes that people tend to make when rolling over their 401k that can end up costing them if not done right? You know, there's a lot of them. And, uh, you know, as we enter into the, the, you know, these baby boomers, the baby boomer generation is is rounding the turn and retiring every day. I'd, I'd seen a stat, something to the effect of, you know, 12,000 or 10,000 baby boomers a day are retiring. So, this problem or all these problems that we're running into or we're seeing people making mistakes that are costly is going to get drastically exacerbated by just the sheer volume of people that are going to be retiring and doing what we're talking about. And what I'm talking about is people taking their 401k, 403b, their, their company-sponsored qualified plan and rolling it over to their own IRA or in turn doing something else with it. So we don't want to leave our money at our employer. We want to take it and direct it in our own direction. Now, I'm going to be honest, employers don't make this process, and it's not necessarily the employer as much as the custodian of the assets, which is where the actual money is. In other words, you might work for XYZ company, but your uh, your 401k is actually managed by Fidelity or Vanguard or any of the big names. Those companies obviously want to keep your money there. That's how they're making money. So they don't necessarily make it easy. And then there's something called a plan document, which your employer has set up that dictates how that money transitions from the plan to you. And that can complicate the issue. And oftentimes you'll find that, you know, well, we have to mail the check to you, but we can still call it a rollover. But how do you want the check titled? Well, if you say, I want the check titled to me, and then I'll roll it over, well, that changes the whole game. You really wanted it titled to the company that it's going to for the benefit of you. And you go, wow, we're really getting lost in semantics here, but it's a big, big difference. So one thing that I see a lot of times is the check inadvertently being made out to the person. They receive the check. They have 60 days to put that check somewhere else and call it a rollover, but they miss the 60-day window. And once you miss the 60-day window, all of those funds become taxable right now. That's a pretty darn costly mistake. Missing minimum required distributions once you reach age 72. The penalty for that is 50%. That's a pretty big mistake. When you think about the average person nowadays will work for 12 different companies. I ask you this question. Do you have a 401k that you might have forgot about at one of those 12 companies that you worked for? If you do, and you did, and you forgot, one, if it was a long time ago, it's a pain in the butt to go back and get that money out of those just because the issues that you're going to face trying to get the money out will become difficult. We do it all the time. We'll help you, but it it can become difficult. But if you forget about that and you didn't take your minimum required distribution from it, well, now you have 50% penalty on what you should have taken. 
Um, so there's a lot of things that can happen throughout the process. Hardship withdrawals, loans, the list goes on and on of, of mistakes you can make. You decided you wanted to retire early, um, but you're not 59 and a half, and you just take a withdrawal to your uh, IRA, and it gets penalized 10%. Now, again, remember from earlier today, Diane, you can do a 72T, or you can do other types of withdrawals to avoid that 10% penalty. But if you don't know it exists, you don't do it. You just take the money and there you go. Smack, you got hit with a 10% penalty. I think oftentimes we focus all of our energies in retirement planning on how do I get an 8% rate of return versus a seven? How do I pick the best stock? I want to make sure that, uh, should I be in the market in July versus August or what, when's my perfect time? I want to make sure that I'm smarter than the person next to me. But oftentimes what is overlooked is, how do I make sure I minimize taxes? How do I make sure I don't take too much money so I run out of money? How do I make sure I avoid these costly errors? Because I assure you, if you get penalized at 50% on your withdrawal, unless you're a really good stock picker who somehow got a 50% greater gain, that's just as important, if not more important, than picking the right stock. So make sure that you have a trusted uh, resource to be able to answer these questions so you don't make some of these costly errors. You know, reach out. We'll help you out. And a trusted resource that will remind you that those required minimum distributions are due. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. We, have a, we have quite the system in place to make sure. We are very proud to report that nobody under my watch has had to pay a penalty on a 72 uh, run a uh, required minimum distribution that we managed. Ever. I'm just amazed how the feds are all over you on taxes, but when it comes for you to take out your money on time, they don't even send an email or a letter. Well, better to get 50% than potentially no percent, right? Yeah, goodness. Yeah. All right, to schedule an appointment to go through the Aptus Blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, in what areas do you find people have the most to learn about when it comes to Social Security? I think the biggest thing that I run across here is just anecdotal versus real actual information, meaning that people seem to make decisions on Social Security based upon information that they've heard anecdotally through sources that I wouldn't really call trusted sources. Like my uncle Bob told me that this blah, 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 blah. Um, or you know darn well that it's going to run out of money. Uh, okay, well, what does that mean? If it run, quote runs out of money, what does that actually mean? Well, it means I can't trust it and I can't count on it and I can't, you know, it's kind of anecdotal evidence. Um, you know, my friend told me that I should collect at 62 because of X reason. So I think the biggest thing is we need to focus on how, what is it, how does it actually work? How do I maximize my benefit out of Social Security? I heard that that's a thing. How do you actually do it? Um, what happens? I heard that Social Security is going to run out of money. If it does, what does that actually mean? Doing actual research versus just fear-mongering the end of Social Security as we know it. But the stats point to all this anecdotal evidence obviously having an effect. I mean, you hear like, you know, two in five Americans believe, you know, that they're not going to get it at all. Or, you know, the younger the age goes, I think it's upwards of like three quarters of Gen Xers believe that there's no way that they're going to receive any money. So they don't even count on it. These are concerning, obviously, particularly when everybody I just mentioned is paying into Social Security with the assumption that they should get something back for their contributions. So let's cover how Social Security works, kind of cliff notes in a nutshell. You pay into Social Security while you're working, assuming that you're paying into the system and not into some other system like uh, OPRS, et cetera. You're paying into Social Security out of every paycheck. 
your employer is matching that. If you're self-employed or you are your own employer, then you're matching your own contributions. That amount is approximately 13%. So 13% of every dollar you make up to about a hundred and a half in income is going into social security. When you reach either 66 or 67 or somewhere in the middle based upon your age, that is what is deemed your full retirement age. So when you get that thing in the mail from social security and it says, here's your benefit amount and big numbers across the top, that is your full retirement age. If you for if your full retirement age is age 66, if you wait until you're 70, you get 32% more every month. If you collect at 62 and your full retirement age is 66, you get 75% of what you would have got at 66. So everything's a function of that full retirement age. Of those contributions that are paid in, in the past, more people were paying in than were collecting. So there was a surplus in Social Security. And that surplus, or let's call it like a trust fund, if you will, has been tapped into over the last several decades because people paying in are not meeting the obligations of the people actually collecting, meaning that we're not paying in enough for the people that are actually collecting Social Security. That makes logical sense because when Social Security started back uh, way back in the 30s, uh, there were a lot more people paying in than people collecting, and the average life expectancy was younger than the age of collection. It was 63, and the collection age was 65. So now people are living a lot longer, and we're digging into that trust fund. That trust fund is set to expire in around 2030, 2032. I've seen various reports. So if Social Security, quote, ran out of money, that theoretically could mean that about a quarter of people's benefits would go away. It does not mean that you would get nothing. It means a quarter of your benefits would go away. Now, whoever is the president at the time in 2030 or 2032 that has to tussle with this, if they went to everybody and said, Social Security is now anybody that's under the age of 50 is never going to get it, and everybody over that age is only going to get 75%, I, I'm not a politician, but I, I believe that would be considered political suicide. So, obviously, some things need to be changed. I think that you can count on Social Security to some capacity. The question is how much, and that's where planning comes into play. In our office, when we look at Social Security, the younger you are, the more we stress test the what-ifs of what if it goes away. What if your benefit isn't what you think it is? What if you don't get your benefit until you're in your 70s as opposed to in your 60s? These are things that we can account for and plan for. But to simply say put a zero, unfortunately, leads people down a path of the numbers look pretty abysmal. Social Security countrywide accounts for about 40% of the average person's retirement income at minimum. So if I remove 40% of your retirement income in a financial plan, it can be a very discouraging figure to remove. So let's not do that. Let's stress test it and make sure that you can weather the storm, but maybe not entirely eliminate it. So I know this is a very long-winded answer to a short question in what do most people have to learn about Social Security, but I think the answer is learn the actual information rather than listening on the news and just hearing all of the fear-mongering of what are you going to do when it runs out and are you prepared or you know buy this or buy that. It's usually anytime you hear that fear-mongering, it's somebody trying to sell you something actually look at the data and then let's incorporate that data into the planning process. So realistically, people how old are never going to have to worry about it going away, just possibly lowered. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this isn't to say that I'm looking at this through, you know, rose-colored optimistic glasses. I, I mean, pragmatically, I, I can't fathom a scenario where somebody who's currently receiving Social Security doesn't continue to receive Social Security 
and somebody who's currently 50 years old looking towards retirement isn't going to get a benefit from Social Security. Could it resemble identically the way that Social Security works today? Possibly not. But will it be completely gone? Again, political suicide, and it would create an environment in the United States that would be um, a very, very difficult time for most people who are retired. And in a, in a situation where you look at the political environment that we're in today, where we're doing, you know, we're talking about universal basic income for people who aren't retired, it's hard to fathom the removal of a program that people have paid into that are retired. Um, I just don't see that happening. To schedule an appointment to go through the Aptis retirement blueprint process, Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. And just a reminder to everyone, you can always join Josh again as he talks retirement every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley. That happens right here on 98.9 The Answer. And in case you missed that, you can always find the recording at Josh's website. It is Aptis Wealth. Dot com. It is spelled A-P-T-U-S, the word wealth, dot com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptis Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptis Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptis Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptiswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, lots of talk about inflation. Are there ways to try to and account for inflation while still minimizing risk? It seems to be the talk of the town these days. Inflation, government's printing money. Um, We're trying to solve our problems by increasing debt and continuing to spend. So the byproduct of that theoretically should be inflation. I saw uh, a a recent article that said consumer price confidence, you know, every metric that we're seeing is inflation could theoretically be 6% over the next 12 months. Now, whether or not that's true or false, I don't have the slightest idea. But I can say that we've been living in an inflationary environment that's been very artificially low or very unusually low over the last 15 or 20 years. So the concept of inflation being six or even 8% over the next 12 months wouldn't throw the scale so far in a direction where when you look at long-term averages, it wouldn't be consistent. So it's, it's not unlikely or improbable that that could occur. And the big question then is how do I handle that? So I'm nearing retirement or I am in fact retired Um, If I put my money in a CD at the bank earning 1% or 2%, how the heck am I going to keep my purchasing power uh, when the value of my dollar is going down by 8% in the next 12 months? And the risk there, I think, Diane, is that people become too aggressive in their investments. The risk would be, since I'm not earning enough at the bank or I'm not earning enough in bonds or treasuries, and since the market's been doing so darn good, why don't I just put, you know, I know I should probably only have half my money in the market, but I'll just make it 
to make sure that I combat inflation. Why wouldn't I want it there? It's been going up like a rocket ship for the last 12 months. It's been going up like a rocket ship, quite frankly, over the last 10 or 12 years. So what would lead me to believe that that won't continue? And that's a very, very risky proposition. So the easiest way to combat it is uh, an age-old principle. It's boring. It's not exciting. It's not a magic button, but it is an approach that works. And that is the bucket approach. And by buckets, I mean think of three buckets of money. In bucket one, I have my emergency savings. So is this a high growth bucket? No, it's very minimal growth. This is your bank account. This is your savings. This is your your CDs. It's the boring, not earning much account. But it's the account that you can get your hands on very quickly in the event of an emergency. Bucket number two, we call our safety growth bucket. In other words, we want to put money in this bucket to combat inflation, but not at the risk of taking on too much volatility or too much risk. So think of things like bonds, uh, fixed indexed annuities, fixed annuities, um, you know, all the deferred type annuity buckets. And the reason for those is we can take on minimal risk, possibly even with 100% guarantees, but still achieve growth that's a heck of a lot better than bucket number one at the bank. Those first two buckets afford us the opportunity to be able to go in the last bucket, which is our best combat to inflation, which is the stock market, real estate, private placements, oil and gas, all these different investments that definitely have an increased level of volatility and risk. But also with that comes a dramatically larger increase in the percentage that we can obtain. So that is your long-term money. But if you don't have bucket one and bucket number two, the risk of having it all in bucket number three is volatility. Next year, you need some money, but the market's back 40%. Where are you going to get your money? Well, you're going to go to that bucket. Well, you just pulled out. You were worried about inflation being 6%. You lost 40 and then pulled it out. Well, now you're down 46% on that money. So you have to set up a laddered type approach or bucket approach to risk management. This has been the age-old strategy for probably 100 years, Diane. But in times of euphoric, uh, amazing growth, people try and outsmart this strategy. And they try and say, well, I can pick the perfect time. And that's usually right about the time where people start getting sizzled. So be very cautious, be very careful, make sure you have time-tested approaches. But that does not mean that I'm averse to you know, the new way as well. We just have to approach it with a pragmatic, logical system. And with the market expected to head into a bear market at some point, that's extra pressure with inflation and the fact that the market is not going to be getting the gains it has in the past decade. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, it could be the perfect storm. And, and you know, it's not a matter of whether we'll go in a bear market. Uh, we will. It's just a matter of when. There are always uh, ebbs and flows, ups and downs, uh, you know, expansion of an economy, contraction of economy. I don't know when that time is, but when it occurs, I want to make sure that you're prepared. And, you know, the risk is, again, you enter into that to try and combat inflation, and then it turns the other way and it exacerbates the problem. So make sure you have an approach that will weather that storm. But that storm, the longer we go with this bull run and low interest rates, we could be lined up for that perfect storm where you have a lot of people invested in the market, no place for safety, and now the market corrects and inflation's high. 
it's a that's a scary scary place to be. Want to remind everyone that uh, Josh's number is six one four three six four seventy three hundred. That is six one four three six four seven three zero zero. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, we are hearing volatility all over the place. What what is the latest with market volatility? Well, one, I don't think it's going to get any better. You know, and, and I think oftentimes people will ask me, you know, they're trying to be smarter than the average bear, right? So what what is what does July typically look like in the in the history of the market? And, and I'll have people come in and go, you know, I heard that fifty six percent of the time July is a good month, and on average it's between one or two percent in July, and then August is bad. So why don't we why don't we buy in in July, and then we'll sell at the end of July, and we'll sit out August because that's typically, I mean that's called day trading. Um, plus, you just said you're going to base your decision on 56%. If you got a 56% in school, you would have failed. But you're going to base your entire retirement on a 56%. It's really foolish. And I think sometimes, um, you know, we look at volatility and we say, how can we take advantage of vol- volatility to become super wealthy? I think Warren Buffett's got a great quote. And he said, you know, not everybody should be in the market. If you can't handle volatility, you shouldn't be in the market at all. And the fact that people will buy a stock that they truly believe in today and sell it tomorrow tells him that they shouldn't have been in to begin with because you wouldn't buy your house today and then the value of your house goes down tomorrow so you sell your house and move out and buy a different house. You bought your house because it met the objectives that you had at the time for a longer period of time. Well, similarly... While Amazon might go up and down, why, while Microsoft might go up and down, and so will Home Depot, either you believe that you bought it at the right time and that it's a very good business that will provide you what you need in the long run, or you don't. But to trade and day trade back and forth is foolish. Now, I know I'm using these individual stocks as examples when in reality, most of us are just deciding whether we want to be in the market at all. But this all comes back to how do I invest to manage volatility, to know that it's going to be there. But how do I manage it inside of my objectives? Meaning that I know I need to have some of it. I know I don't like it, but how do I make sure that I, cr- I construct a plan that will control volatility, not necessarily saying I'm not going to have any, but I at least know when I look at my plan that that volatility is accounted for, it's necessary, and it will not affect my ability to live on my money for the rest of my life the way that I want to. And that's always the objective. How do I work today, save for tomorrow, continue to live like I'm living today or better for the rest of my life, provide for my family, et cetera, et cetera. Certain amounts of volatility are necessary for that. We just got to control it. So don't try in time. Don't, don't listen to people you know, say, well, dump GE and buy this and you know, get in and out and sit out August and don't listen to any of that nonsense. Plan. Have a logical approach that stands the test of time. You'll be better off. And how do you manage the expectation of people kind of having to downgrade their expectations when it comes to making money in the market if we're heading into when we head into a bear market? Well, again, let's let's create a plan that's outcome based, not short term rate of return based. And, you know, there's some pessimists out there probably listening right now going, well, he just he doesn't want to pay attention to the fact that the numbers are what they are. And, you know, uh, these financial planners are taking a fee and not, you know, not uh, the market's been going up so much that they're taking a fee and they're not earning their keep. 
That's not the case at all. Uh, obviously, we, we uh, have portfolios with great returns. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's all of it. What are we trying to do? What level of volatility can you stomach? What level of volatility can your plan handle? And then how do we get to our goals? So in other words, if you get 4% next year as opposed to 6 does it matter for your goals? Yes or no? I don't know the answer to that because that's an individual question. But that's the most important thing. If the market goes down by 30% and you only go down by 10, but the following year it goes up by 30 and you only go up by 20, that's actually better, by the way, mathematically. But depending upon which year you look at, in other words, if you were a client um, in the second year and you only went up 20 and the market went up 30, you might draw the conclusion that, well, this isn't a very good portfolio, but that's because you weren't year there the year before when, when it went down, there was volatility control. So the important part, I think, Diane, is when I meet with any client, going through our process, going through our ideology, our methodology, matching it with what they want to do, and then making sure they're well aware that consistency um, and the outcome is more important than the day-to-day. And as long as they buy into that, and that's why we do this four-process meeting, if you buy into that, you will be in a great place when you're done. But if you're looking at a long-term plan with a short-term lens, you're really uh, starting to flip a coin, and that's a dangerous place to be, and maybe we're not the right fit for you. So that's why we do this four-step approach, so we make sure we're all on the same page. And we started the show with the four-step approach. And for those that are just tuning in to the show in case they missed it, let's, let's explain to, him, to them what the Aptus Blueprint process involves. So again, Diane, it's a four-step process. Meeting number one is learning everything about you and what you're trying to accomplish. And by everything, I mean, do you want a vacation home? When do you plan on retiring? Do you have a pension, social security? What savings have you uh, built up? Are you anticipating uh, you know, any sort of windfall via an inheritance? Do you have any property, et cetera? All the things, I wanna learn the lay of the land of your retirement and uh, investment wealth picture. And then in meeting number two, I'm gonna analyze is your arrow going to hit the right target and what could get in the way of that arrow to prevent it from hitting where you want to go? In other words, are you taking too much risk? And if that volatility uh, creeps its head around the corner, could that derail where you're headed? Are there speed bumps on that path? And then in meeting number three, we're going to address all those potential uh, barriers or speed bumps. And what things do we need to be doing today to minimize taxes, maximize return, make sure you get to where you want to go. And we call it a blueprint on purpose, Diane, because it is an actionable plan. Meaning when you're done with that meeting, you will know the exact steps that you can make to improve your situation. And not until the end of that meeting will we decide, is this a good fit for you? Is it a good fit for us? Do you fit our process right? So it's just been a long interview process between both of us. And then in meeting number four, if we decide we want to move forward, that's our implementation meeting. That's the uh, where the rubber meets the road and we got to go through paperwork and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I assure you, you'll walk away knowing more than when you walked in and you will have actionable things that you can you can execute to make your situation better, regardless of whether or not you work with us or not. Josh's number is 614-364-7300 to schedule your own Aptus Blueprint process. That is 614-364-7300. This has been the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick, and you can join Josh every Monday at 6 p.m. with Bruce Hooley as they both talk retirement for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us. We'll be back next week at the same time. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. 
Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.